Joining me in the studio is Charles Preston and yep, his yep. hey 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 in his latest piece for the tribe, he uh, still maintains a respect for his elders. I do. While coming to the defense of millennials, uh, in response to Mary Mitchell's column in the Sun Times uh, that asserts that millennial voters uh, kind of ruined this last municipal election. First of all, Charles, thank you and welcome to Vocalo. We appreciate you coming on today. Uh, secondly, uh, let's talk about the uh, the premise of the Mary Mitchell article that uh, that you felt compelled to reply to. Yes. Uh, Mary Mitchell's been in the game for a very long time, a long-respected journalist, but this rubbed you the wrong way. Why is that? Um, it rubbed me the wrong way because as a millennial, as a... a a person who has been an activist and an organizer um, previously to being a journalist, uh, being on the front lines with some of the folks uh, that she were, were was alluding to when she talks about the McDonald effect. That means like the organizations and activists responsible for bringing about this huge, loud uh, resistance to like what the current system is it has been um, telling us. So I, I was reading the article and I was thinking, wow, what if I was, you know. 22 years old out here on the front lines reading this mm -hmm. this would be so deflating yeah and the fact that like my work is like reduced to voter participation when i've knocked on doors when i phone banked when i canvassed the uh, communities when um i showed up at police board hearings when i took the streets when we organized civil disobediences when we got arrested yeah. when we started running our own candidates um i think the article or the column lacked that depth of analysis. Um, the millennial voter turnout is something you can't put into like 590 words. Yeah. And so like my response is lengthy. Like when I first submitted the draft to the tribe, it was around 1500 words and I could have kept writing. <laughs> yeah. and, and I think that speaks to also um, writers speaking on protest movements in general and how in order for you to have a, a accurate depiction of the protest movement you have to have you have to be intimate with it um i'm curious to know how many on the ground activists that mary mitchell's knows um personally um i'm curious to know uh what organizations are she she's familiar with um when i think of like she names like amara Enya and all these other candidates when i think of those candidates i think about like what it took for them to get here you know will calloway is in a runoff he had 26 percent of the vote but in order for him to even get there, like at one point, Will Calloway was homeless. Will Calloway was a, a, a gang member. He's a, a he was he he was what they would call like the bottom quote unquote like the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he's now in a runoff to be uh, the alderman of the ward that houses the University of Chicago after the Laquan McDonald, like that is like phenomenal to yeah. me. That is like a story worth writing. That is that is compelling, and you will see those compelling narratives all throughout um, the municipal election with um, youth uh, candidates. I think a, a piece like Mary Mitchell's ignores the fact that throughout history, it was young people who were making these changes, who were speaking the loudest about uh, social justice. I mean, if we if we take the term millennial and apply it just to people who were of a certain age at the time, Martin Luther King was a millennial. Yeah. Malcolm X was a millennial. Yeah. Uh, how do just based on how linear time works, yeah. young people have to 
continue to do this work because who else will do it? And, and, to- and it's also just, uh, just, it's also not like, yes, young people, but it's also the way we analyze movements, I think, needs to be challenged. Uh, when we think about the Black Panthers, we don't go to voter participation. No. We just think about their effect on the consciousness, the media, and the community. Um, and I think with this Laquan McDonald movement, if you want to call it that, or like this uh, movement for police accountability, we have to look at the full depth um, of what is happening. And, and I think what is the pivotal, or like, uh, not pivotal, but the vital uh, point that, that, that is happening is the fact that you have mayoral candidates who have now... Um, are talking to the same talking points that pr- protest or activists involved in protest were talking four years prior. So these were people in front of Lori Lightfoot when she was a Chicago Police Board president, yeah. right? In the meetings, they were right behind supporting the families who were confronting that police board with Gary McCarthy and Lori Lightfoot on the police board. And they were shouting all these demands. They were shouting all like all the talking points that you now see um, in this race. You have an organization and a um, campaign in No Cop Academy that has said, we don't want this $95 million uh, police academy on the west side because we would rather that $95 million be spent in communities for jobs, funding, mental health, like whatever. But the community should have a say-so in that. Every mayoral candidate has spoken about that issue. And so, like, it's not, like, outside of voting, the millennials, the activists, have influenced how the mayoral candidates are speaking to the public. They have to respond. They are forced to respond to this uh, activism. And I, that hasn't happened in a long time. Mm-hmm. 927 on the morning amp, powered by Vocalo. Charles Preston is here. We're discussing his latest piece for the tribe, uh, which is in defense of Chicago's millennial voters. Now, millennials are now old enough to run for major office, uh, which I imagine is uh, making older uh, elected officials feel some kind of way. Are they getting the? Are these candidates, these younger candidates, getting the support of their peers, or are they having to? prove their worth to their fellow young people as well. I think it's both. Um, They'll get support, but uh, when you come from, um, like, for some candidates who come from an activism background or a community organizing background, they have to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. And so, like, a lot of organizations and activists, they fear, like, oh, I I hope you don't adjust to the system. I hope you don't acclimate to the system. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that's a tough conversation between that candidate and that activists but i think also uh just all in all like it's it's very tough to unseat incumbents in this city like they are backed by money Mm -hmm. like money um going back to will calloway he's only had like two registered donations um against leslie harrison who gets ten thousand dollars from like organizations easily yeah will get he he has two donations like um, I think almost totaling ten thousand dollars it's just it's just very difficult uh, to go against machine candidates it's very difficult especially when all you have is people um, resisting um, in back of you and not even allow a lot of people um, I think another uh, problem that we often do is mistake all Millennials as activists yeah <laughs> um, and that's not the case at all like um, 
the the word radical inherently means like a tiny few going against like what is status quo. Uh, so not everyone is involved in that level of a uh, political commitment. And that's what I also wanted to speak to is like, I didn't say like, okay, these numbers aren't true. Yeah, I'm saying that, yes, they are true. And this, and this, we have to, uh, engage the communities again um, and have an intergenerational dialogue uh, to where we can hone in on municipal elections, make sure they're uh, important to people and, you know, encourage people to be more politically active. That's the only way change comes about. Are young voters excited about the uh, the runoff, the two candidates that they have to choose from? Um, between Tony Petwinkle and Lori Lightfoot? Mm-hmm. It's hard to say. Um, I can I can I can talk for like uh the pro I can speak to some like some of what the protest movement is feeling, not just general millennials. Mm-hmm. Uh I think they're kind of in a hard place, um, because you have Tony Prettwinkle, who uh a lot of people sugar tax, you know, that's the, the first thing they yeah. immediately go to. Uh and has a history of machine politics, connections with Ed Burke, or connections with Daly. Like She's been in the game for a long time, but you also have Lori Lightfoot, who was on the Chicago Police uh, Board as the uh, president, who didn't um, do justice by certain families, such as like the Rakia Boyd family, um, and didn't hold cops accountable like she is trying to say that she will. Mm-hmm. She's running on police reform. Yeah. And so it's kind of like jarring to like some activists to hear that and be like, this is not who we saw on those Thursdays at the Chicago Police Board hearing. So I think they're in a tough position. Um, and I think they will if, uh, go with the candidate that is that will uh, speak to their interests more um, and also wields, wields uh, more power in their favor. Um, and it's hard to say who that is. Um, I'm not giving an endorsement. Yeah, no, um, but from my analysis, uh, I think a lot of activists will probably lean towards Prep Winkle in my analysis. We have a, a few weeks to, to decide for sure. And who, honestly, in Chicago politics, who knows yeah. what can happen between now and then. 932 on the morning app, powered by Vocalo. Now, just uh, before I let you go, as a journalist... What can a publication do to make sure that an article like this that can be seen by a lot of folks as just somebody shaking their fist at the teens on their lawn, how can we avoid painting with a broad brush this way? How can we avoid uh, painting all young people as as apathetic? Um, Talking to them, (laughs) inviting them in for conversation. taking it upon yourself to go and see to challenge yourself i think a lot of times uh, as columnists and writers we uh get behind a desk and we just assume that we know um what is going on and we can have a we have a pulse and that we don't need to be challenged in our own right about our information uh and 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 i I think that's just being a good journalist is just asking critical questions about uh what you know and then going out to those communities, to those activist communities, and and, and definitely like talking to millennials. Um, it's it it's it's fascinating that so many like reports and statistics and columns and articles comes out about millennials that don't have a millennial voice in it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I and I find that as a, I don't know to, to me I don't I don't like it at all. So. 
Well, let's uh, make sure that you and the rest of the tribe get to the opportunity to let uh, young people's voices be heard and uh, young black Chicago voices be heard. We appreciate you and the work that you're doing. How can people find you on social media? So that's underscore Charles Preston at Twitter. That is my primary like social media place where I troll all day long. <laughs> Uh, and and by, fo- uh, by by following me on Twitter, you will have access to everything. <laughs> I tweet all day, troll all day long, but I'm very, very uh, nice to people. Like, you respond, I will respond back. But I keep the same energy. <laughs> we appreciate that. And you can, of course, go to the tribe, tribe2eyes.com, uh, for more of what uh, they're doing over there. Thank you so much, Charles.